Well, uh, Pastor Brian's away, and he gave me uh, one verse. <laughs> That's the pace we've been going so far, is like one or two verses a Sunday. And I have the privilege of First uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 13. So if you have a Bible, if you need one, we have ushers that can get you one. Just raise your hand up so they can see that you need one. And it's your gift if you don't have one. We'd like to make sure everybody has the Word of God. And we're going to talk about this morning why that's so important uh, in our lives. And it starts out with, therefore, therefore, which is always an indicator right away whenever you're reading your scriptures, reading the word and you see a therefore, you get to see what was there before this so that you know why the therefore is therefore, where the following has to do with what comes before it. So we're going to read the first scriptures, the first 12 verses of the book of First Peter. So I'm going to have you stand up. If you're at home, feel free to stand up too. The Word of God is worth honor. We can stand together in the reading of it. And I want to read the first 12 verses and then verse 13, which we'll cover this morning. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Just want to repeat that last part. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Definite theme as we go forward. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, which is more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in what? In the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 8. Though you've not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Verse 10, concerning the salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. Verse 12, it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit. Sent from heaven, things in which the angels long to look. So if we were to summarize the first 12 verses, even as you continue to stand, Peter, the Apostle Peter, is writing these things to suffering Christians in Turkey, which we would know now as Turkey. And the summary, if I could summarize the first 12 verses, the therefore, what is it therefore, what is it referencing to, it would be this. Praise our merciful God. Praise our merciful God who has given us such a great salvation that even the angels are curious about the fact that we receive it. 
Let's pray. Father God, we're thankful that this morning we get to talk specifically about the grace that is to be poured out. Lord, we, we just stand even right now in your grace. There's nothing greater a gift in life for us as believers to say that your grace is upon us. And we ask that, Lord, even this one verse, verse 13, would just jump off the page as living word to our hearts, to our minds, and to our spirits. May you be glorified that the testing of our faith, just like those that Peter wrote to, would be, would be found genuine, that it would glory and honor your name most of all. And Lord, as we look towards your scriptures this morning, uh, equip our minds to be able to receive so that it goes to our hearts and lives out through our lives. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Before you sit, there's one more verse. I promised you 13. Therefore, all of what we just said, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I want to read that together. Everybody with me, will you read that? Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You guys can be seated. I am so excited to be able this morning to talk about God's grace. There's no greater topic that we could talk about this morning. There's no greater reason for us to get up early than the grace of God that is found in Jesus Christ. And there was a time where uh, I didn't really, I was raised in a, in a Catholic environment, my family, we're all Catholic, and I was raised going to church every, not every Sunday, but pretty much, and we got to a point where, or at least I got to a point in my high school, I didn't really understand uh, the gospel like I do today. Praise God, His grace was upon me to uh, allow me to know God's grace. Maybe some of you guys at home, maybe some of you are here, and maybe you're just starting this journey off. Like you could say, truthfully, I don't really get the whole Jesus thing. I don't get why people are so excited about him. Maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you're a little farther on. Maybe you've heard more about the grace of God and, and really had it broken down for you in a way that makes sense, that allows you to rejoice, uh, like Peter was talking about these believers, that even though they were tested, they still had a joy. Maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you walked many years with Christ, hand in hand. He is your shepherd. He is your savior. There's no doubt about it in your heart. You've been walking with him for some time, and, and you, you've been able to pour into other souls, perhaps, and to explain what God's done in your life. I can just say now, after about 30-plus years of walking with Jesus, I still feel very much like that first person that didn't really know that much. You know, it's like you, you're supposedly your pastor, like, like I have the privilege of being, and you graduate to some higher stage of understanding the grace of God. And I got to tell you, the deeper you get into a topic like grace of God through Christ Jesus, the more you feel like you're just a rookie. You're just, you're just getting into the show for your baseball fans. You're just, it's your first season, and you're, and you're kind of hoping you do well. And that's, that's because the, the grace of God found in Jesus Christ that is for us unconditionally is so deep and so, so vast and so great That the more you get into it, the more you realize, I don't know that much about it. And even studying a verse like this, just one verse has has thrown me back in in a real great place of just wonder and awe of why God would be gracious to a sinner like me. Why is it so constant, God, for a sinner like me? Why why is your grace so, so rich, 
and so vast and covers such a multitude of my sin. You know, it's interesting, uh, the psalmist, I think there's so many psalms that come to my mind, and one of those that I really love is that, you know, God, if you kept a record of sins, Psalm 130, if, if you kept a record of sins, who, God, could stand? Who, who could stand? If you kept a record, and we know he knows everything, there is a record for all of our lives. But the grace of God comes into a place like that and says, I'm guilty as charged, Lord. You have seen everything I've done in my life, good, bad, and otherwise. And yet the word, the banner, is love with grace just pouring measure upon measure on my life. And I don't get it. I don't understand it. I'm a rookie. You guys feel like that? If you don't feel like it right now, I want you to feel like that today by the time we're done talking about this first. I want you to swim in it a little deeper. I want you to be more in awe of it if you're watching online. I want you to think about how wonderful God's grace is in, in, in the midst of your sin. Not, not ignoring it. Not reducing it to nothing. Not saying, oh, well, you made some mistakes. You had some bad things go on in your life. It wasn't your fault. So, so there's no guilt here. And kind of God just kind of winking at you and kind of saying, you got to pass. No, it's, it's, it's he knows full well what the sin is. He knows full well how you've not measured up to perfection and how we all fall short. And that record of sins is vast for each one of us. And I'm at the front of the line in this. And you know what's amazing about studying First Peter as we have been going through it? It's to realize, to look at Peter who's writing this. And again, I just want to read this verse again. I'm going to read it a few different times. But it says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. And being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The one who's writing this is the one who knows not only what it's like to sin, you guys, but imagine Jesus right in front of you, you as an individual, me as an individual. Think about this. Jesus right in front of you in his bodily form on this planet, and you're denying you even know who it is, what his name is. He's like the man. You're accusing me to know. I, I don't know him. At the crux of the suffering of the Son, of the Savior, who's just hours away from giving his life on the cross of Rome, torturous death as it was, Peter's there saying to even a little girl recording the scriptures, you got the wrong guy. I don't even know him. That, that wasn't me. Uh, I sound like a Galilean, but and yeah, maybe I've been fishing a time or two, but when the crowds were up there, I wasn't part of it. You know, he, I, I'm, I'm adding that to the scripture story, I realize. But, but I'm going into the, the mind and the heart of Peter. And, par, and, and that, that part of the grace of God for Peter and for all of us who think about our sin for what it is can just go into that thought of like, God, why? Why would you have grace over a sinner? Peter must have been just writing this with joy in his heart, right? Through, through his friend and saying, I can't wait to talk about putting your hope fully in the grace of God because I know what it's like to deny my Savior right there in the midst of his greatest need. I was closest to him. I was the one who jumped out of the water. I know what it's like for him to receive me when I didn't deserve to be received. And that grace is deep. And that grace makes you feel like you're a rookie, like you're a newborn babe. Like all I want to do is just stay in that place. I don't want to worry about stuff in my life. I don't want to worry about 
this, that, and the other that comes up. I don't want to worry about financial class. I want to focus on the grace and put my hope fully there because it's true. And somebody like Peter giving that message to me means a lot because I know if he can say it with confidence, I can receive it as somebody he's writing to because he's not just writing to the people there in Turkey. He's writing to us. He's writing to you. He's writing to you. He's writing to me. So I ask you this morning, even as we, before we dive in and breaking this verse down, do you know the grace? Surely is your hope fully in the grace that's to be revealed to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And if not, this morning, my prayer is that you would just simply come to Christ and receive it in his fullness. So let's break it down. We're going to be brief, but I I think there's some powerful lessons in here. For one, it says, therefore, we covered the verses before the grace of God. He says, in light of that grace, in light of the great God that gives us grace, here's a to-do. People, here's a to-do for me and for you. Prepare your minds for action. When it says prepare, in the original language, it talks about, in the New King James, it actually translated this way. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Everybody say that. Gird up the loins of your mind. Anybody know what that means? Okay, some, some language here that needs explaining in our modern day. Girding up the loins of your mind. Well, girding up any loins in ancient, uh, the Orient as one, uh, I'll just read actually, this is pretty cool, this uh, person that was studying the scriptures and how he translated this. It says, the metaphor was derived from the practice of the Orient who in order to be unimpeded in their movements were accustomed when starting a journey or engaging in any work to bind their long flowing garments closely around their bodies with a leather belt. So you have long flowing robes, you're going to go somewhere, you're going to travel, you're going to do some kind of work, you need to bind those up so they don't hinder your work. So what you do is you bring up your garments, you wrap a belt around your waist and you cinch it up. That's girding up like a girl. You're going to gird up your loins. But, but Peter's applying this to the mind. So, Peter, what are you talking about here? I, I believe he's talking about something pretty simple. Is our minds get messy. Our minds get clouded. Our minds get kind of lost in different thoughts or different themes that may or may not be good for us to ponder or to spend time in. And Peter's wanting us to take inventory of all that kind of loose stuff that's going on and gird it up so that you're prepared to do whatever God's calling you to do. So he's like, therefore, in light of all this grace, we have some action to do. You want some action? Here's the action that's good and profitable for any servant who wants to glorify God is to gird up the loins of our mind. Um, we, the last couple of years, I flew to Israel. Just before COVID, our, our church went on a trip like in February, and we got back from, from a wonderful trip. And both times flying there, uh, there's gentlemen, even to this day, with long flowing robes. You ever been to flown to Israel or with uh, Orthodox Jewish men, there's a lot of material. There's a lot of robes. There's a lot of clothes going on and prayer shawls and and just robes that go to the floor. And I remember being in the, uh, you guys ever sat in a long-term flight in the exit aisle or the seats where you have space before the before the emergency exit? And, and the prayers that were being said by Orthodox Jews in that particular section, guys would come in and guys would leave. And stay there a while praying over the Torah. And, I, and I'm, I'm getting hit by their robes. 
And I'm thinking, there's a lot of material going on here. And I don't mean to be flippant about it, but it was like, it, I, it makes me think of this verse. Like there's a, there's a time where you want to move, you want to go, you want to go somewhere and do something, not get dirty, not be hindered, you're girding up your loins. So I'm telling you right now, for me, it's really good because it's caused me in really breaking down this verse for my own life and applying it to me is to say, where, where's all the loose thinking coming from? Where's all the inundation that I need to gird up and, and cinch up and focus and refocus? I'm sure we all could come up with some examples. For me, here's a couple of things that have rung, rung true and actually made me think about and pray about and ask God for help in. One is just my intake of news. Boy, I, I can watch news. My wife and I can watch news all the time. And, and news is news. But you get, I mean, we all know. I don't, I don't even need to go into this very much. But watching the news now is just like, over this last year has been crazy. And I realize if, if, if I'm not girding up the lines of my mind, all that just gets wound up and, and end up causing me a lack of sleep. Or thinking about, God, how are you going to rectify this? Or how are you going to improve this? Or how are you going to bring these people together? What's, what's, how am I going to plan it? What, do I, what am I supposed to do, God? You know, you guys all, I'm sure, can relate to all of this. But it, it, just, it just becomes this kind of loose information that's just there flooding my mind. And I can't get peace or rest in it. Social media, another thing. I can spend a lot of time on social media. And I realize there's just, it's just kind of the same thing as the news. Only, hopefully, I get to see some cool things about somebody having a baby or, you know, my uh, friends from high school have this and that going on in their eyes that I can rejoice in. But there's a lot of just, ah, you just read it and you're like, this person's angry and then this person's complaining about this. And then pretty soon, I'm already complaining about something I didn't even care about five minutes ago, right? I kind of take that on and adopt it. I feel like that's kind of the extra material that needs to be girded up. Like, okay, Lord. That's, that has its place. I need to be informed to some degree. But when it starts becoming baggage where I can't, I'm not prepared for action. I'm not hearing your voice. I'm getting too crowded in here to be of any use because my mind is not prepared for action. So you guys have to determine what that is or even just pray about where, where are you getting in. And I'll just give you another example. Just the, the um, common truth amongst people that don't know God bombarding you and bombarding you and bombarding you as a believer can be it can be troubling it can be vexing it can be just despairing because you realize god is there anybody that still believes in you is there anybody that still believes in your ways is there any is there any hope for this culture that i live in and i don't want to make an us them we're all part of the culture we're 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 part of the ones that need the most forgiveness in a lot of places and in our communities but i'm saying that it can it can start to weigh you down so Here's the good news is I think Peter would say, how do you gird your mind? And your mind is the basis. It's the, it's the way you think. It's the way you, it leads to how you feel. It, it's the freeway to your heart, and it can be either good or bad. So my, my, my question to us today is to say, what do we battle that? How do we battle that? How do we gird it up? And I think it comes in two ways primarily. One is to just acknowledge that, boy, am I just spending too much time with all this stuff? Do I need to decrease my time practically? And what I'm putting in my mind, the good, the bad, the otherwise. And also, simultaneously, is the word of God being crowded out? Because it, it the word of God doesn't really stay in this kind of place, right? Neither does the world, when you think about it. It doesn't stay in place. In other words, I, if I ignore the, the, the word, by default, 
all the things that are clouding my mind and, and weighing me down and getting me more anxious is going to increase. Or, or the word of God increases and the worries and the anxiety and stuff decreases. You with me? It's, it's always vacillating somewhere in there. And I'm always wrestling with those realities. And I'm sure you can relate to that. So I would just say preparing your mind is simply by getting the truth of God in your mind. And that leads to the heart being at rest. So as Peter was telling these believers, hey, I know you're going through a lot of trials. I know you're going through a lot of trials. Peter was persecuted for his relationship with Jesus and leading the church thereafter. Peter was in the midst of being in those trials, and he's saying, I found a secret. you got to prepare your mind for action so that when God calls you to have faith in him or to, to be ready to give a testimony to your faith, even in the midst of a trial, you're ready to go. You're not bogged down with this kind of wishy-washy kind of uncertainty that's going on and plagues all of us. You know, here's a couple verses that stress this. He said to him, this is Jesus, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That love in your mind. This is the covenant I will make with them. This is in Hebrews, after those days, declaring the Lord from the Old Testament. I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. And why is the mind so important? Well, because the mind, unlike the heart, isn't plagued by emotional wavering. Your mind speaks to the heart, right? You've got to have the Word of God here so that when your heart starts to stress, starts to be weighed down, especially in the midst of trial, you have something to battle with it. It's called truth. So, so you guys, really be honest with you, my reading of the Word, my intake of the Word can suffer. And I'm a pastor. I'm swimming in ministry all the time. And yet, the first thing to go at my own expense is the Word of God and time spent in it. So I'm just going to say briefly, like, how much, literally, how much time do we give to the truth of God so that it's in here so that we're prepared for the things in this world, the things in our lives, and for the future grace that's to come? How much is there? So I'm just going to give you an inventory uh, project just to say, okay, take the last 24 hours, okay? Before, before we go on, I'm just going to say all of us should be convicted in some way because we could spend umpteen hours, but I'm not, that's not the purpose, okay? But just in the last 24 hours, where has your word of God intake been? How has your girding of your loins been with the word of God? Last 48 hours, last 72 hours, and there, last week, maybe last month, maybe you've never spent time in the word of God. Do you know... When I was raised Catholic, I thought the disciples of Jesus were the guys that, in the pictures that I saw, were the long flowing hair and the nice tans and standing on the boat, kind of like this, you know? Like, I will lead the faith charge, right? Like, that's the images that I saw, and that's the images I thought. So I thought, before I really started reading the text for myself and the Gospels, I thought these guys were superheroes, really. The Avengers, but in the, you know, Jesus Avengers, I guess. They were the studs. But you know what? The first time I got in the book of Mark, all that was shattered when I saw these guys put their foots in their mouth. When I saw these guys make dumb mistakes with Jesus or say the wrong thing. Like, hey, Jesus, when you go in your kingdom, remember me. Okay, let me sit on your right or your left because that seems like a good place. Like, I'm like, I can relate to these guys. These are my kind of people. 
it's all of a sudden they're, they're ratcheted down to real and relatable. And the people that aren't 100% infallible, they actually struggle with faith to the point where when Jesus goes to the cross, there aren't any of them around, including Peter denying Jesus. So all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, I can relate to failure. I can relate to not holding my end of the bargain up. So if you're like thinking, oh, man, James, I wish you wouldn't have brought up spending time in the Word because I haven't done anything lately. Again, you're fitting in a good category of people that haven't met the cut, haven't pulled their weight. This is the miracle. Jesus has grace for you and can bring you in to a place of good patterns in your life where one step in front of the other can develop into some life-changing habits, life-changing habits. And when you get the Word of God as a habit in your life, that's when the true girding up of your loins prepares you for what? In the text, prepares you for action. For your life and for others' lives, the lives you influence. Parents, the lives of your children. College students, the lives of your roommates. Young people, the lives of your friends. See, God is at work, and we don't want to miss what he wants to do in our hearts and the hearts around us. And you can be a vessel to the nth degree more when you're prepared for action than when you're just kind of just going through the motions, soaking up social media to the nth degree, not giving the Word of God any time or preeminence in your life, kind of just going from one step, one season, one diagnosis to the other, and kind of just meandering. And Peter's saying there's a better way. You know that girding up your minds is the same thing of rolling up your sleeves. If we're going to use idioms, it's the same thing. We're preparing you know, girding up your minds, it means to control what you think about. Those things that you decide to set your mind upon. And if there's things that you're setting your mind upon that aren't of God, the Lord's going to convict you through His Holy Spirit. You simply just go, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Not because we're fearful, because of His grace. There's a huge difference. You guys, we all know what it's like to be fearful of God. Amen? I don't want to mess up because I don't want God upset with me. That's one way to go through life. I can tell you from experience, it's a horrible way to live. Horrible. You get a pit in your stomach. You feel guilty. You wake up. And you go, woe is me. Why do you love me anymore? I don't compare to so-and-so. It's a lot better to wake up and be motivated, motivated by the grace of God than it is the fear of God. Fear of God is in there in reverence and awe. But the love of God, the grace of God, the kindness of God, which leads us to repentance, that's the way to live. Because all of a sudden you're waking up not with fear that God won't accept you anymore based on what you've done or not done. But now you're waking up with God. I can't believe that you still love me today as I wake up in the midst of my failure and my sin. And, and how could I not say no or how could I not say yes to the God who loves me to the degree that you would send your own son in my place to die in my stead in light of my sin? Boy, then you're motivated by love. You guys, we're not motivated, motivated in our relationships at all by fear, are we? Otherwise, it's unhealthy, it's, it's abusive, those kind of things. We know the experience well enough to say, I don't want that. No, God wants us to love him because we're seeing him for who he is in his word, which is what? Forgiving. Merciful. He gives us hope that we can actually have our lives changed for the better. So there's my list. There's my list of, of kind of things that kind of take my attention to the degree that's not healthy. 
I realize I get in a place of debilitation. I get paralyzed. I don't get sleep. I can get there. One of the things I've shared before, I think, and kind of um, want to go in on the, the last part of the verse here, is that I read a, a, a life-changing, you know, you can, wear, you can read sometimes a quote and it changed your life. Here's a quote that changed my life for the better in the last couple of years. And that is, there's an author that's talking about burnout. I think I've shared this before. And he said, you know, um, God doesn't sleep so that we can. Seems like a simple truth. But I got to tell you, it changed my life. Because when you're having sleepless nights, something comes on in your life, you're in a trial, you get a diagnosis, like I said, you don't, somebody just has something horrible that you love in their lives, and you're like, you know what, I don't even know how I'm going to sleep. And the reminder is God sleeps, or God doesn't need to sleep, he doesn't have to sleep, he doesn't sleep, nor does he slumber, so that we can. It's a gift, rest is a gift. But how much sweeter that rest when you're resting securely in the grace of God. He also says, be sober. We don't want anything influencing our minds that will take us under its control. We want to be in control so that we can give God ultimate control. You know, being sober means the ability to take a serious look at your life. If you're not sober, you get inflated with false lies. You know, it it could be uh, something of of a substance that you're relying upon that gives you some sort of temporal feeling of, wow, this isn't so bad. But you know what? You have to come crashing down the reality at some point. We all know how it doesn't last. It means the ability to take a serious look at our lives first and foremost. So don't be dulled. Don't let substance come in between you and God. If that's a problem or an issue with you, get help. Get support. Get the love of the brothers and sisters in Christ. Get accountability. Hey, I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want my mind focused on this desire that I have for something that's not worthy It's to walk circumspectly is to use some biblical language. Here's my life equation. I'm going to do a math problem for you guys that came from this verse. The world, everybody say the world, without the word equals worry. The world without the word equals worry. There's your double W alliteration. Isn't it true? No word, guys. What do we expect but to be uptight, high blood pressure, anxious people? With the word of how faithful our God is, how he offers great uh, grace unconditionally, with the love of the Father there when we blow it the most, that's what brings us peace. We're going to just spend a couple moments on this next part. Look at that verse again, verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope. What's that word that follows? fully. Set your hope fully on the grace. Set your hope that waiting for salvation with joy and full confidence. You're expecting grace. Your hopeful is not just kind of like this wish that has no substance to it. You're expecting. That's biblical hope is an expectation of what's to come because God has promised it. You believe it and so you're expecting it. Your hope Elpidzo is the name of the word in the Greek. And he's saying, how much? 50%? 85%? No, he's saying, take your hope, your expectations, your confidence, and fully, teleos is the Greek. It's the only time mentioned in the whole New Testament. In this verse, 
fully, 100%. It's an adverb. It means completely, hope without wavering to the end. Fully on the grace. That's the substance. Grace, the word is charis. I love that word. I have a friend. We have dear friends that name their daughter Karis, and I love it. Ever since they did, I just think about this all the time, of, of the beauty of grace. Karis, God's best unmerited love based on Jesus' sacrificial actions. So if our hope is in the grace of God, how does that really change us? It's because it's a future grace. I want to end with this. You guys think about this. Right now, you woke up in grace. You woke up this morning by God's desire to pour out his unmerited favor upon your life. Whether you're believing that or not, whether you're new to Christ or not, his desire is to fully put a deluge of grace all over your life, all over your heart, all over your guilt, all over your shame. You woke up this morning and that was his heart for you. And the grace that it describes in the book of Luke chapter two, listen to this. It's, it's, Amazing how powerful this is. The same word, the same word for grace that that Peter is saying is for us. It says in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor or charis with God and man. Do you hear that, you guys? The same word that Peter is saying is for us. It's described to Jesus that he grew in favor with God and man. That's charis. It's the same word. Same word that the Father has affection for the Son, Jesus Christ, is the same word he has for all of us. Unmerited favor. Jesus merited it. We did not. And when will it it be revealed in its fullness? You guys, you will stand in front of Jesus Christ when he comes again or when you die and go into his presence. That's when Peter's saying, your hope's got to be fully engaged in this reality that when you die or when Jesus comes back, He's going to see you, and he's not going to say no to you. He's going to open his arms to the sinner who comes in repentance to him. And he's going to say, you are mine. I love you. I have always loved you. And you are never going to be apart from my love. How life-changing can that be? Is there a greater reality that can change one's life than that? Than to know, God, I've blown it. And yet, when you're getting your fullness, when every eye will see, when every tongue will confess, when every knee will be down in front of your presence because of how great and mighty and awesome you are, how holy you are, how pure, how totally unique, there's none like you. And you're going to say, you love me? In that moment, Peter's saying, you guys, I know what it's like to shame the Lord. I know it's like to fail. But I'm telling you, you will have grace at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You will have grace at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So you have grace now, you have grace over your past sin, and you have grace when the fullness of Christ is seen by every eye. When we are most drawn to our knees in that moment by the sinner who comes and says, Jesus, I believe you to be who you say you are the only son of the living God. You died in my place. I love you. I am so thankful. You will have grace. Peter says, put your hope fully there. And when we do, when you do, 
when you do, when I do, changes your life. And you end up saying things that are crazy to the world like, I want to live for Jesus. What? I, I want to live for him. I want to live for his glory. I want to live. I want to have my, my faith tested like fire, even through trial, if he wills it, so that he can be glorified with honor at the revelation of him. I'm going to have Nick and uh, Jill come up. We're going to celebrate communion together. Why don't we all stand? You guys have probably been sitting a while and need to stretch your legs anyways. That word, as they come up, that word brought to you, it's an interesting word. The grace brought at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 34 times it's translated in the New Testament, bring. Bring forth. There's one time where it's, re, it's translated carry, to carry some burden. With force or speed, to carry a burden. And I'm thinking, you know, this is really interesting. As we're going to celebrate communion, and uh, they'll, they'll pass out elements, the ushers will, in uh, just a moment. We're going to hold on to those elements, and then we'll partake at the end together, okay? But when it says the, rev, the, the grace brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, when you think about that being translated in one sense, carry, or brought to you, the elements are going to be brought to you. You're not going to earn them. You're not going to go get them. They're going to be brought to you. Think of it this way. When we come to communion or celebrating with bread and a cup, symbolic of God's broken body, Jesus' broken body and spilled blood, the juice in the cup. And if you're at home and you want to celebrate with us, I would encourage you to get elements as well from your home. But it's almost a little secret in here where communion is always brought to us. And it's like Jesus is bringing the grace. But you guys, I want to ask you a question real quick. Think about this for a sec. How did Jesus bring communion to you? He, he literally had the burden over across his shoulders and a crossbeam of a cross. He carried, in other words, himself and all the weight of sin of each one of us on his shoulders to a place of execution where he would ultimately give his life for you and for me. And I think that's bringing, that's carrying the grace, literally. Jesus carried the weight of the sin of the world upon his shoulders and, and ultimately paid his with his own life, the life that was pure, given over of a, of a sinful, wicked way to die of a criminal. And he carried it for us. So as we as you receive the the little wafer and the juice, think about that, that, that Jesus carried that so that you could be with him. And know the grace that's sure, that's true.